Benders and non-benders alike, and welcome back to the Republic City Dispatch, a radio program covering Nickelodeon's Legend of Korra series. This week, the very bowels of Republic City were rocked by the Equalist Movement's revelation in Episode 3. And now, without further ado, our three hosts continually on search for living lion turtles, Matt, Dave, and Devendra. Hello, welcome back to Republic City Dispatch, here with our second episode covering episode three. It's out of line a little bit because the first two episodes premiered, but hey, we're having a lot of fun. That's the important sure. part. I am Matt Patches, uh, and I am joined once again by... Oh, I'm Dave with a seven. And I'm Devendra Hardwar from the Slash Film Cast. And I just wanted to point out, uh, we I, I think we totally inspired, right, the announcement in the episode yeah, that happened we, last in the series. We had yeah, no idea sound. that uh, it was going to be recounted in that fashion. And, and <laughs> they are stealing our dispatches and putting them on their episodes, which we are deeply pleasured by. So. It's totally fine. Our, our, announce, our announcer is better. Uh, I completely agree, Dave, with no, uh, I'm not jaded at all. But anyway, why don't we, uh, head to a summary from you, Dave, just to recount what we saw in this episode. All right. So in episode three, uh, the revelation, we start with Butaka, the head of pro bending, um, who tells our fire ferret team that they're going to need 30,000 yuans, which is the unit of currency, to enter the pro-bending finals. Um, so Bolin and Pabu, um, who is the fire ferret owned by Bolin, attempt to earn some extra money on street entertaining, um, but Shady Shin of the Triple Threat Triad shows up and offers him some money, and uh, Bolin takes it, because Bolin's kind of a fool. Yeah. Never but trust let's... somebody named Shady Shin. That's a, good, that's a good point. But then, even as a surprise to the triple threat triads, the Equalist movement kidnaps all of them, including Bolin, um, and takes them to be part of Amon's great revelation, uh, which is that he can take Bender's powers away for forever. Whoa. So uh, Mako and Korra try to free Bolin and manage to do it, but actually come face-to-face with uh, the Equalist lieutenant and the army of their cheap Benders that they have that are wearing some cool uh, steampunky green goggles no lack of plot or alliteration in this episode <laughs> no not it's at kind all. of amazing i mean at, at 22 minutes they pack so much in uh yeah it's 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 incredible storytelling it's complex and bravo for uh nickelodeon letting those guys do whatever they want uh even though you know it's a quote-unquote kid show i was surprised that it was followed mm-hmm. by fred the show but uh, i'm sorry if i offended any fred fans uh so guys favorite moments of this episode let's just dive right in what, what did we love I think like the best thing overall is the uh, the revelation of Aman and what he was doing. Um, not just because it's a great scene, right? Like there's some good action in there, uh, some good suspense because you don't know what's going to happen, how they're going to save Bolin. But I think what's really interesting in what this series is doing is uh, making Aman a very sympathetic character. Like his backstory is sympathetic. And we don't actually see him kill anybody on stage. He takes away the power from, you know, a leading gangster in the city. That's a really good thing to a lot of people in Republic City. So I'm, I'm really interested in how they're going to like balance Amon's, uh, I don't know, greater ambitions versus this sympathetic look at him. I was really surprised how much dread I felt during that scene. This kind of like <laughs> – I felt like I was watching Schindler's List or something horrible. <laughs> the, the ethnic cleansing going on. I, I, I just, <laughs> It was so heavy and I was really, really shocked. And I, I don't know <laughs> if it's – I mean, I think part of it has to do with design and pacing and just, like, this kind of Mao design to this secret underground meeting they're all having and the color palettes. You know, Mm -hmm. we got to see Republic City at night 
a lot of the time, and it's very noirish. It's browns it's and gold. Golds. Yeah, gold. And Dave has many theories on the color gold, which I'm sure he'll go into in a second. But I just found that whole scene to have this amount of dread, like a real um, what's to come is unforeseen and how they'll actually be able to battle it. I really have no idea. And that lack of knowledge, the be- inability to predict what's going to happen, just, I don't know, I was scared. I want to I want to jump in here and say that I think you guys are each hitting on either side of it, which is that we don't really see him do anything like that we would be say is unforgivable. Like right. he takes somebody's bending away, but it was like this horrible gangster person. And then he also claims to have his power from the spirits, which the only other time we've seen anyone energy bend or soul bend or whatever we call it. Uh, it was Aang who was given the power by a uh, lion turtle, which is the most spiritual animal that still existed at that time. Um, so it's very possible that the gods actually are on his side, or a god, um, and the spiritual thing that's been we talk about has did been he, missing from Republic City. He might be another way of bringing that back. Did he say that in the episode that he was... Yes, that the gods spirit- have yes. given him the power. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. So it's It's... Um, it puts him at opposition to our benders just because this is an uprising, but it doesn't really put his goals in opposition to our bending goals, which is, you know, the recapturing of the spiritual world. So, I mean, he's there's a lot of dread, I think, just because he's this masked vigilante, but we really don't. They haven't made him 100 percent a bad guy yet, which yeah. I think is super interesting. It's like he has Clash the Batman the voice, but yeah. that's about it. Don't say it's like Clash of the Titans patches. (laughs) Well, you know, the gods are choosing sides. Or it's almost almost Neil Gaiman-y. I'm trying to... I I know you hate that book. uh, American Gods? American Gods. uh, You you know know, what? The Clash of the Titans thing would actually be pretty cool. Like, I'd love to see the gods play a bigger role in the series. And also because uh, in the original series, they were kind of like in the background, slowly influencing things. But here with Amon, like, it, it seems like things are being set up for the gods to actually have... A real say in what's happening in the world especially if if people are in the republic city in this world are turning their shoulders to right. turning their backs to the gods i mean i think this story is a lot about spirituality and if and if the gods are feeling slighted by the people of this world then they're going to empower someone to bring people back to earth you know before before we go too far down that line <laughs> i do want to bring up uh, a couple of the other interesting things that came up specifically as cora and mako are uh trying to find Bolin and figure out more about the Eclis movement. We get some good relationshiping, um, as well as seeing that Korra's mastered the doors in the week that she's had to uh, work well, with the did. doors. She found the spinning move in the, her pro-bending match last week. So. Right. And then her and uh, Mako take off and to find Bolin. And some we get some backstory with Mako, where essentially he's Bruce Wayne. Uh, he was eight, <laughs> and his parents were killed Aww. by a firebender. And he and Bolin became uh, orphans and then did some work for the triple threat triads and then got out of that and were taken in to be, uh, oh, they were taken in very specifically by the old guy that was at the uh, pro bending arena in episode two. But I don't want to say his name wrong because everybody will kill me for that. (laughs) And then um, Mako and Corey get a nice moment where they fall asleep under a tree and sort of uh, it's them versus the world, and I'm not sure it's them as a actual couple yet, but it's at least them versus the world, and they could be happy in that. Guys, and I'm shocked that this happened, right? I'm surprised they're getting into that so quickly, if there will mm. be a relationship developed between them. Um, obviously, Korra is feeling something. I love the scene where uh, Tenzin's daughters are making fun of her for having <laughs> feelings for Mako, and then she blows them away. 
with airbending. I thought that was really <laughs> cute. Um, but I, I am curious if this early setup of their relationship is actually going to mean that there's a twist down the road for Mako. Uh, especially considering, you know, Mako's parents were killed by a firebender mugger and Ama, or Aman's uh, family was killed by a firebender. I, there must be a connection there. Is it the same firebender? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Going around killing kids. I want to bring up that I'd said last week and thought it was stupid when I re-listened to it, but now I'm back on it. That, really? Yeah, fire firebending is strangely absent from this world, like airbending mm-hmm. has been strangely absent from this how world. Do you, so. How do you say that? Because I feel like we saw so much firebending. Yeah, every other person seems to firebend. Yeah, what are you talking about? They're, they have a power plant run by electricity benders. I mean, or, Oh, man, and everyone can lightning bend. That's interesting, too. But Yeah, uh, that's weird. It's it's sort of like this is what I was talking to Patches about, and this might be getting too into the series, but no one's ever faulted me for that. I don't so think that's a problem here. <laughs> all the yellow that's there is sort of, in my mind, like a mix that this Earth city ended up being a mix between Earth and water. And those are the two things that are sort of making this, you know, non-spiritual, non-emotional city run, whereas air and fire as elements are much more volatile and uncontrollable and difficult more difficult to latch on and if you build your life out of one of those elements you're either a monk or a warlord so mm-hmm. it seems like you know those two uh more volatile emotional elements need to be brought into the fold and so maybe what the gold that we're seeing is actually literally this other color that's uh, sort of been elevated out of earth and water too, too nerdy, guys? No. Nice reading. Nice. I, don't, I don't think so. I like I that dissection. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think it just looks nice. Uh, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you guys have played the, uh, the new Deus Ex game, uh, Human Revolution. Oh, no. But it is, it is a lot like that. Like, that game is pretty much all uh, gold and night dark scenes. Yeah. And this one, uh, it, it feels a lot like that. Like, we were talking about how this uh, series is beginning to feel like, or this episode in particular, feels a lot like noir. Um, to me, like the series is shaping up into something that's very noir and also like very traditional martial arts too, hmm. even more so like than the original Avatar. Like this one is all about like a young hero who's like has to learn a new style that her master doesn't support, and then you know it, it, these are very typical martial arts genre tropes, um, and definitely actually more so than what the original series had. So I like it though. I love this stuff. So well, I'm the noir, the noir aspect really. I thought they they hit it so strongly in this episode when they met with um Scoochie, the kid <laughs> the informant kid who uh, Mako apparently gets he throws him a few coins and get get some information Yuans. from yes Yuans, Yuans, sorry and uh and I thought that was a perfect noir moment like especially their costumes too they're all kind of roaring 20s old school it's like <laughs> Humphrey Bogart or something walking into the revelation meeting and you know getting the information from the kid was such a great noir moments that I, I wonder if it's lost on a lot of the people who watch it. I, oh, I feel I'm sure. It. But, I'm sure. But it's a great way of introducing it, too. Like, I hope that somehow uh, Legend of Korra introduces people to this style and, like, they find those threads into other movies and TV shows and that sort of thing. I think it's, yeah. it's pushing boundaries. It's I was... funny how rich the series is, especially, like, once you hit the commercial breaks, right? You're looking at breakfast cereals and shiny toys. Yeah. Um, whereas the series is, yeah, kind of foreboding, kind of dark. 
and uh, very mature compared to everything else Nick is showing right now. Well, I, yeah. well, the other thing I wanted to mention was I, and I'm just trying to earn cred here in some capacity, but I kept <laughs> thinking of, uh, and I mentioned this to you before, Devendra, that it, the animation style is really reminding me of Satoshi Kon and Tokyo Godfathers, especially this film where people are roaming the city all night. And mm-hmm. I don't know, there's just such atmosphere to it. And you're absolutely right in a way that like when you break for commercial, it's just completely absent. Um, but I really like that we're getting into the under belly of this world especially i watched the first two episodes of airbender again this morning and i i don't know seeing the juxtaposition between those two it couldn't be more different yeah um and i'm glad that it's straying away uh but on the flip side there was a moment in this episode that i'm like ah this is the old airbender resurfacing and that was uh mock or um bo's uh who am i thinking of bolin playing Mm -hmm. with uh, Pabu and trying to earn <laughs> coins on the street and he's making Pabu, who is the most adorable thing ever, um, dance across the the wire. And I thought yeah. that was typical, perfect, old school airbender comedy and just like thank yeah. I, I wasn't really on board with Bolin and Mako in the first two episodes. I, I mm-hmm. should mention mm-hmm. that. I'm cautious about their introduction, their immediate friendship with Korra. I thought it was really strange. Um, but what I really liked about this episode and how they kind of fit into their roles in this show is in that early scene when they're talking about, oh, you know, we were orphans, and, oh, Cora is this privileged brat yeah, who has never worried about, like, oh, I've always had everything given to me. And I thought that was a really interesting character twist. Mm-hmm. I agree. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say on the pro Bolin side, uh, later when he's in uh, Naga's mouth, and it just all he's trying to stutter out is, I would rather be on your back. Yes. I was like, okay, Bolin, I get your character now. Because I was, yeah. I was worried they were going to hit the love triangle too hard. Like, I recognize that Korra is going to need to be in some sort of romantic relationship. And I'm actually liking the way that it's coming with Mako right oh, now. Because think... neither of them is, like, fighting it. And, and what I really dislike about love triangles is the moment when everybody feels bad, but nobody's willing to talk to another person about it. Right, right. And it looks like we're going to miss that here because Bolin <laughs> has, like... His fire ferret, and he just kind of wants to stay alive, and he he likes to eat. And he's really naive and innocent, right? Like that was the immediate friendship. Like that's how he met Cora, and that's how that all started. So I bought that because clearly he's this young and naive kid who really doesn't have to care for much. And whereas Mako clearly was the one who had to support both of them. I'm I'm very worried that the rug is going to be pulled out from under our feet in our enjoyment of the Mako Cora relationship. I really think. Yeah. Mako is, 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 there's more behind him, you know, with their history of being mm-hmm. in the gangs. And, you know, I kept wondering, like, how did they get the, the triads? Like, how did these people find them and overcome them and kidnap them? Yeah. yeah, with their yeah. Ben- without taking their bending away in the first place. And I'm kind of curious if there's an insider. Did you like, Mako. did you like Jet? patches in the original series um you know when we first met jet in the original series i was kind of like okay we need apparently a detour in the story to just kind of have enough episodes <laughs> that first episode with jet i'm just like eh, i wasn't really on board but when he was reintroduced to the show and became more of a part of their team or a complex figure in their dynamic i did like that a lot and yes i think i'm see i got a little jet vibe from mako in the beginning mm-hmm. and i was kind of like ah i I don't really care about this character, but I there's a lot of bubbling under the surface. And the Bruce Wayne thing is interesting, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about, oh my god, he's Batman, but I think he might be Batman gone wrong. You think? 
I, he hmm. might turn out to be that guy. <laughs> wait, wait. Know. Batman didn't go wrong enough for you no. just in Batman? <laughs> Batman went right. What are you talking about? Batman Batman fights for the, the, the good. He's I, never done anything wrong, you know. I, 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 mean, I don't know. I don't think it can be as straightforward as it seems right now. I mean, I hope that they use it as a way to talk about class because it looks like they're going to spend so much time in the action of it, which is where we all want to be, so who blames mm-hmm. them, that it might be, you know, at some point if they're... Uh, too rushed with it, we might forget what we're actually talking about because I don't think that we're going to get you know anything more than we got this week, which is one scene of the lightning energy factory, just <laughs> to sort of remind people that you know there is this class system and like non vendors can't even have those jobs at the factory. And he says it's a pretty good job, and so you and know it was like a five second clip too that scene. So yeah, yeah. So they're going to have to world build very quietly, and I hope they do that instead of being like. Uh, I don't know. I hope they don't make it. I hope they don't. I don't think I think making Mako and giving him Zuko's angriness is just rebuilding a character we've already seen and loved. So there's really no reason to do it. And I hope that they use him more as someone who recognizes that he had demons, but he's past that period where he has to wrestle with it and he just Mm -hmm. has to deal with it now. He's already more interesting to me than Zuko was like for Absolutely. most of the first season because he was really annoying, really whiny initially. And eventually he turned into this really great and interesting character. Um, one thing I'm worried about with the whole Mako Bolin thing is that they're basically setting up Bolin as somebody that they're going to kill. Because once they kill Bolin, like if, if that happens, uh, that really like that'll set the stakes for the rest of the series. And uh, I, I kind of expect it to happen with somebody. Really? You are calling it in episode three that they're yeah. going to kill. Wow. Blood. They didn't kill anyone in the first series. Am I incorrect they, in that? Uh, Jet died, I believe. Didn't no, he? I thought they saved Jet. Oh, man. I'm going to have to go look that up right now. But yeah. um, I. Sorry, fans. We I are know. not encyclopedic in our knowledge of the original series. It's been a couple of years since I've seen the whole thing, too. So, um, But I, I, you know, one of the big complaints I saw from even fans uh, at the end of the series was like, he didn't kill the Fire Lord. And I think it would have been out of character for him to do that, but it was a little bit of a deus ex machina how he kind of out of nowhere can just take away people's powers. I'm glad that they've (laughs) like almost after the fact brought that in and like now it makes sense and now it's part of the conceit of the new show. Um, But I I do think uh, it's interesting that they really didn't kill anybody. I mean, that is killing or at least as close as avatar can get in that world i mean now it's lesser because you know there is a class system between benders and non-benders but in the original avatar if you take a bender's bending away they become like peasants like dark age peasants so right right. i mean it's it has a lot of it had a lot of consequences when uh ang did it to the fire lord and here it looks like I don't know what it's going to be like. I mean, I I still think that we're in for a gang war sort of uh, Batman-esque sort of a thing, but I don't know how many people are going to start losing their bending. Before we move on, I do want to say that Jet did die so that people don't uh, hang me (laughs) publicly. (laughs) Uh, I want to bring up one more thing before we move on. Um, When you were talking about uh, Scoochie, and how much you love that character and that noir moment. I was on Twitter uh, while this episode was happening, and everyone was freaking out that we got our first look at the Zuko statue, which I would assume is the partner to the Aang statue that's in the harbor of Republic City. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely a older adult Zuko holding a fireball above his head. And uh, we have a picture with, of that uh, that we'll, we'll blog. Um, but it also seems to imply that Zuko is alive and 87 years old, so... 
that's just some information that wasn't in the episode, no. but that might be important later on. I need on. to catch up with the promise, but after issue one of the promise is like, what? Where is Zuko at the end of that? I'm I'm highly anticipating it, the second issue. Is, so that issue actually... one of the promise ends with Zuko having tea with his father in the prison where they're imprisoning the Fire oh. Lord. Oh, so nice. we don't really know where he ends up, um, or. Uh, what happens to him but it would appear that he's wandering the the nation as mm-hmm. still still maybe still as a fire lord well what's interesting to me is that we talked in the last episode and i saw a few people comment on this as an intriguing point about cora possibly leaving republic city and i actually got some slack from people it's like no cora would never leave she has to stay in the city and that's the whole show but i do i really <laughs> do think that she Korra, has to explore the world at i some really point. Yeah, yeah i know that this show isn't about necessarily exploring the same way that the first airbender was like let's go to all the different nations and see what's up um but i do think she's going to leave public city and now i'm starting to think she's going to see zuko and she's going to have to uh-huh. learn something from zuko and i'd be down that for that be. yeah and it, I'm she definitely what does like she, well she has like a sense of rage in her that ung definitely never did and mm. zuko always had so like that's one thing for her to truly master airbending i'd you know she'd have to go see somebody to help her deal with that right now she's doing it with uh, the pro bending stuff which is awesome but uh yeah there's more for her to figure out there i wonder if we're Do- done with pro bending no no not. we're not done with pro bending I guess yeah. they have well, to get. They'll get the money. They'll get in the championship, and then there'll probably be some sort of like a mon attack on the pro benders, or I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, Mister Patches, <laughs> you might remember in our interview with the track team on Operation Keynote, they said they were doing a ton of pro bending sound design That's for true. episodes three and four, <laughs> and we just saw episode three. So I would guess that pro bending is going to be back yeah, for the soon. And there's actually a lot they can do with pro bending, right? Because we saw the big. Uh, like a, a separatist rally, what, like the people against benders. Um, but the people who watch the pro bending games, they're the ones supporting this pretty much. Like, so now you have these groups of people who are championing bending and how cool it is and stuff. And then the people who feel it's like uh, pretty much unfair. So we'll down. see some sort of big ca- clash between those groups for sure. I've seen enough action movies to know that lots of terrible things can go down at sporting events. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> We'll get really into the finals and be like, go fire ferrets. And then right before somebody wins, Amon's just going to take away everyone's bending exactly. or something. I'm, you, I'm psyched. Let's do it's it. It's going to be crazy. You know what? I, I still haven't mentioned everything I loved about this episode. Let me just say <laughs> real quickly, Pabu and Naga, love I love yes. their relationships. Like I've always loved in the original series how the animals would have like these little relationships with each other because they can't talk. Yeah. But it's in their interactions and in their, um, you know, the, just the way they react to They're things. They're the silent comedy stars become. of the show. It, it's totally exactly. old school so, and, and complete uh, line of yeah. thinking with the show's sensibilities. I, I love when Pabu and Naga meet for the first time. There's the nose touch, and she's like, okay. <laughs> or, you know, Pabu's like, okay, and just hops up. So, like, they have this great relationship already, which is fun. Also, I love the introduction of the motorcycles, which just gave a real Akira vibe to this whole thing. Like, yes. this series has so many references moving around. And, uh, like, I know you guys are wondering if people are going to get all of them. I, I, I don't think so. But, you know, kids watching this now who go back to it uh, in a couple of years will find so much more to dig into. I want to bring up one last thing, which is that we saw a map of Republic City, and it is Manhattan. Yes, I love it. It is Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that's really interesting that the dot where they put where the, uh, the triads dots. would be was... is actually really close to where traditional New York 
like gangs of New York, Five Points War went down. So I'm interested in how much this it's actually also is close going to, to Wall Street yes. too. Like, so is there, is there like a yeah a reference to uh, what's going South on now? I don't know. Battle. Stay tuned <laughs> as we read far too into this in upcoming episodes. <laughs> that would be actually perfect if Nickelodeon did some sort of event right there. Like, find the secret event in Manhattan. Let's just let's just let's camp there yeah. until. Yeah, nothing like releasing, like, the nation's 12-year-olds into South Street Seaport to venture. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, Dave, I think to kind of wrap up, you had something you wanted to read, right? We received an email. Yes, we did receive an email from Christine B. Um, I think we're going to read this, but in the future, uh, we're going to start opening up at RepublicCityDispatch.com different ways for you to get in touch with us. Um, By all means, please leave us reviews on our iTunes feed or get in touch with us in any multiple way because uh, we're going to try to do our best to serve you guys as fans and not piss you off um so here's one in that vein from christine b um there are so many things i agreed with in the last podcast and a lot of things that i disagreed with and a lot of times i wanted to interject and say wait what about this but it was really great hearing people who paid attention and noticed the more subtle things touched upon in the show since i know it's a kid show at the end of the day so much is not really going to be explored as thoroughly as i wish but yeah it was great to see that people were talking about it and hopefully it will get even more people to pay attention to the the subtleties of what's happening in the avatar world as a whole i wanted to also say that i agree with the thought that tenzen and the airbenders are kind of like the other side of the coin of republic city being a place out of touch with the spiritual world thank you for rephrasing that (laughs) sentence christina uh because i think that it's going to be something really talked about in the series or at least i hope it is about a world that is trying to come to terms with the spirits world while also flying into modernization they kind of need to find a balance again across the world not just in republic city there she's joining Mr. Patches and then we have to get out of Republic City. And I also think it's one of the reasons Korra can't get a ho- get in touch with the spiritual side of bending because the world as a whole is out of touch with the spirit world and she is supposed to be the bridge between the two. Anyway, I'm so glad I discovered this podcast and I can't wait to listen in next week. Christine, thank you so Aww. much for emailing us. I agree with everything you said. And uh, at, so at, just following up with the end of this episode, I mean, is there things mm-hmm. that piqued your interest? Where is it going? I mean, I, I'm fascinated by Amon and, again, how he's a conflicted villain, in quotes, because I'm kind of curious where uh, he'll be the enemy throughout the show, right? He's a sympathetic villain. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, that changed, right? That changed in the original series. Like, initially, it was Zuko who was, like, crazy and wanted to get Aang and everything. And I think in traditional anime fashion, that changed. That whole thing changed. So if uh, if I had to predict anything, I'd say Amon would end up becoming more of, like, a... Uh, more of an ally, maybe a reluctant ally by the end of this series. I, think, I feel like we're kind of on track with the spirit puppeteer here. Uh, there's yeah, def- I yeah. feel like there's definitely going to be a bigger villain and it's going to be something from another dimension. <laughs> I want more Lance Henriksen. That was He's, great, uh, he, as the uh, electric yeah. b- uh, baton-wielding lieutenant. That was like a yes. little fan service fight at the end, too. Like That whole scene didn't feel like it needed to happen. But uh, at the same time, it's Lance freaking Henriksen, so I don't mind and at I all. I guess I continue to laud the uh, the fighting in the show, but uh, there's two sequences. That sequence and the um, the fight after they derail the guys on the bikes or the chase mm-hmm. scene. I just, like, I'm so impressed by the fight choreography in the show. Mm-hmm. And it just, and 
Dave, you were talking about the use of CG backgrounds in this episode to really enhance the action. I think that's spot on. There's a scene where Korra is fighting and shooting fire, and instead of like cutting back and forth, like you might see in a movie or something, it's just like spinning around her, and I can see every moment, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's what animation allows for action choreography, too. Like, in live-action films, people have to wonder, like, you, you have to give the performers a break at some point. You have to cut away because you can't keep this action going on for too long unless you're doing, like, a Hong Kong action film. And with animation, you don't have that problem. Also, props for them uh, deciding not to use the more anime stylistically thing where you just blur sure. the background <laughs> and show them moving. Um, I think it's really ballsy to say that they're going to do huge action sequences in these large 3D environments because (laughs) it's like even with the way that um, the fighting's done in Korra like you need to tell the difference in weight between somebody dropping their arm purposefully and somebody Mm -hmm. getting chi blocked and their arm just goes limp and like even those subtle movements are working really well in the animation as things are spinning uh, as people are flying as there's smoke and like fire it's mm-hmm. kind of amazing from an it's animation funny that standpoint you mention how much that because there's also and this is a non-fighting uh physics thing but i noticed that when um the head guy from the the gang gets out of his car to enlist uh bolin he gets out of the car mm-hmm. and the car shakes because he's yeah, stepping yes. out of it and it moves. And, and and as an animation buff, I was just like, that's a fantastic. Like, that's such a And the vehicles are all CG because it is a pain sure. to hand draw any vehicle. Right. I thought so. that was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to completely wrap up, are there things, and I was wary of this when the show started, these callbacks, <laughs> you know, incorporating elements from Airbender, the original series, into the new one. But from a fan's point of view, are there things that you're just dying to see come back to Korra? I want to see what happens to Toph. I, I want to know more about metal bending because these cops, yeah. like we saw them in the first episode. I want to see more of them because they're pretty awesome. They're like the Spider-Man or Spider-Men of this world. So I don't know. I, I like the creative uses that we're seeing. Uh, bringing back chi blocking is really cool, too. And you guys are talking about like the martial arts. I love that they actually keep the choreography up. I've seen plenty of uh, action anime in my time. Like I grew up watching Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. In college, I was really into Bleach when it was good. Uh, Naruto was good for a while. Um, when Naruto was good and they actually pushed the animation budget up, uh, it, it was kind of a dream. And this is what, um, you know, that's what uh, Korra reminds me of. In a way, it's also better than any action anime that I've seen in the past few years, too. Like it, they're really showing Japan like how to be innovative while they're still being stale and training out what the 300th episode of bleach or something this uh well i also want to say that um jumping off the chi blocking which i think is an ingenious thing to bring back and not the most obvious either just because it was only dropped you know a couple times throughout the series i think ty lee coming back i don't know exactly what happened to her after the series and all these uh she joined sorry you know (laughs) <laughs> she um, joined the uh, Kyoshi Warriors and became uh, Zuko's guard in The Promise. Uh, that's when we last saw Ty Lee. Ooh. But she is most definitely mortal, and so I would say that Ty Lee is most likely dead. Oh, come on. Mm. Well, if Zuko's alive, then she could be alive. <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't Potentially. mind seeing her come back. The other thing I wouldn't mind seeing come back in some capacity is Fang, but that's just me. I don't think we're going yeah. to see Fang anytime soon, but... Yeah. While I brought up the Kyoshi Warriors, I'd like to see what mm-hmm. happened to them. Um, I'd like to see oh, what yeah. happened uh, in between there being only four distinctive styles of bending in the last series and now 
like things that we were told were specialized, like metal bending and lightning control now mm-hmm. seem to be more popular. I would like to figure out how that happens. That's my yeah. wish. That'd be really fun. Uh, one, uh, one thing I really like about the cheat blocking is that uh, it, it kind of speaks to how logically consistent the series is, right? Because if you have a group of people who are trying to stop bending and combat the tyranny of benders, what is the one thing you're going to want to master? You know, you want an elite squad of cheat blocking ninjas on motorcycles. Bravo, guys. That yes. makes total sense. Awesome. Well, I think that about wraps up uh, the revelation, our discussion on the revelation. And uh, what are we expecting next week? Well, next week is episode four, The Voice in the Night, also on at 11 a.m. on uh, Nickelodeon. And that will be on the 28th of April. But uh, what we know about the plot is Cora becomes part of Councilman Tarlock's task force, which aims to rid Republic City of the Equalists. And we also know from the teaser that aired today that Cora is going to challenge him on to a duel. Lame. She's totally <laughs> joining the man. Yes. She's, not, I mean, she's not taking vigilantism into her own hands. Oh, well. Oh, she'll Batman yeah, out. You just I know, wait. I know. <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not, I haven't been watching the clips in anticipation of the episode, so I'm staying out of that conversation, going in fresh. Yeah, I can wait yeah, a week. Exactly. So uh, if you, if I'm sure there will be many clips being released at Coronation, which you can check out. Um, but until then, uh, remember, Dave, as Dave said, we're going to open up the Ask on Tumblr. So submit questions, ideas, theories, anything. We'll probably incorporate them into our discussions. Why not? That's fun. Uh, and you can also follow us on Twitter at RC Dispatch. You can follow our Tumblr at. Uh, republiccitydispatch.tumblr.com or just republiccitydispatch.com we're also on iTunes so subscribe there um, and leave us and SoundCloud leave us a nice note a rating perhaps and uh, why don't we sign off who are we Dave oh <laughs> I am Dave with a 7 that's spelled D-A-7-E which is also my Twitter handle you could uh, listen to my podcast I do with Mr. Patches Operation Kino at opkino.com or read my very Anti-Austin writing at latino-review.com. <laughs> Pull that one out. <laughs> Davindra? Oh, yeah. I'm Davindra Hardwar. I podcast at slashfilm.com at the Slash Filmcast there, and I write about technology at venturebeat.com. And uh, you can find everything I do at davindra.org. My Twitter is twitter.com slash davindra. And I'm Matt Patches. I'm the movies editor of Hollywood.com, so you can read all my stuff there. Uh, you can follow me on Tumblr at MattPatches.com, and you can find me on Twitter at Mr. M-I-S-T-E-R Patches. I think that's about it for this week, so we will uh, catch you later. <laughs> <laughs>